Welcome to another fun-filled episode of Second City Sports Zoom Style. Zoom Style. Well, you thought we left y'all? Not yet. Not yet. Just one last time. One last time because we love you good people. <laughs> Along <laughs> with Lakina McGee, I am Sydney Brown. You can follow yours truly on the Twitter and the IG at CK80. Once again, it's CK80. That's S-I-D-K-I-D-80. S-I-D-K-I-D-80. Follow me, Akina McGee, on the Twitter and Akina underscore McGee on the IG. You can follow us on our new home on Sports, Sports Zone Chicago on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Sports Zone Chicago. Once again, at Sports Zone Chicago. You can also find us on YouTube as well as our new show will start uh, this coming Friday, August the 13th, if I'm correct, Lakina, because mm-hmm. I don't have my calendar in front of me. Yes, I am correct. Mm-hmm. August the 13th will start this Friday. On Sports on Chicago, that's from noon to 2 p.m. Central Standard Time. So to watch our show, you can watch us on our Sports on, Sports on Chicago pages. That's at Facebook and on YouTube. Just search for Sports Zone Chicago. You can always support WeAreRegalRadio.com and support War Media. That's where you go get our audio version still. So we haven't gone away from Cal just yet. So you still can, can hear the audio version of our program. Just go to War Media. That's W-A-R-R Media. That's Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. That's Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube at W-A-R-R Media. Thank you very much in advance for your support. Like, share, subscribe, subscribe, and tell your friends. Yes, we are unapologetically fun, and we have very definite opinions. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, we are the capital of Baseball City, USA right now as we recap the, the series that was from the north side at the friendly confines between the Chicago Cubs and the Chicago White Sox. The White Sox, for the third time uh, since interleague play started in 1997, they swept the way the, sh- the Chicago Cubs. They did it in grand style fashion in front of a national audience last Sunday by the score of 9-3. to three. The White Sox swept the Cubs originally first in 1999, then again in 2012, and of course now in 2021. Lakina, uh, summing up this series, I'll get to my experience, a uh, game experience in just a moment. But summing up this series, Lakina, starting pitching was that's what did it for the White Sox in these last two games of the series. Shout out to Carlos Rodon; he pitched a hell of a game on Saturday. Dylan Cease. After the first couple of innings, he kind of settled down. It helped that he, he had a big seven to nothing lead. Friday's game, the bullpen uh, gave it up, but the White Sox came right back and it said anything's to Brian Goodwin's two run home run. Uh, the White Sox won on almost every fashion of the game. As we said in our last episode, Lakina, the White Sox were struggling offensively, mm-hmm. especially in those games against Kansas City. I told people on this program. They had to get right offensively. They did that last weekend at the friendly confines. Yeah, I think uh, you know you're, you. The White Sox did what they were supposed to do. The Cubs are not very good right now. They got mostly mm-hmm. mostly you know Triple A guys. So I didn't watch a single second of the series. You know this. You know, Shame on you. <laughs> well, I mean, look, look, I had my reasons, but look, there were there were more entertaining things going entertaining things going on in other sports. You know, other than this you know, this series. But but you know, look, I, I knew the Sox were going to sweep. Yeah, I know. Yes. Yes, Kimbrough gave up that lead in Friday's game, but I figured the Sox were going to pull it off, and they did. And, it was, it was the, and the Sox, you know, showed up the Cubs in the Saturday game, and, and it looked good. You know, Rodon had a nice, a nice outing there. We all eleven strikeouts, but again, I, I figured that you know the Sox were going to sweep, so that's why I didn't really bother watching it. But you know, especially the nationally televised game, I, I saw you know folks were tweeting, you know, Sox fans were gloating and Cubs fans were sort of like, you know, had their heads down in shame. So I was just like, oh, okay, <laughs> that, that, that told me what I all I needed to know. So I'm not, 
you know, was it like, okay, whatever, but I'm not, it really wasn't, you know, it wasn't really at the top of my must watch list, if you will. So I just saw some of the box score. Like I said, Rodon had a nice outing on Saturday with 11 strikeouts, you know, you know, uh, Eloy had, you know, five RBI. So it, again, you know, in the Sunday game, so he, he said hi mom to the camera, which, <laughs> which was, you know, so, <laughs> which of course is Eloy being Eloy. That's why we love him so much because his personality, but again, look, the Sox did what they were supposed to against not, um, a not very good Cubs team. You hope they can do the same against a not very good Minnesota team. Because after that is when it starts kind of like schedule starts to heat up for the White Sox this month. So again, we'll talk about it in a minute. But you know what? Look, a near perfect series. Look, you did what they did what they were supposed to do, and you know, good for them. And the national. I want to ask you this though, Sid, before you know you you, you bring this up. But the national guys were saying, you know, Matt Vasgersian and A. Rod, Alice Rodriguez, Hall of Famer, soon to be Hall of Famer. Um. You know, who who deserves the credit for this sort of the success that the White Sox has had? Does Rick Hahn deserve a lot of the credit, or does Tony La Russa? So, you know, I've heard you know some various uh, both the radio stations here in Chicago, both the Score and ESPN Chicago, kind of go at it for what you know, they what they brought up. But what's your what's your take on it? It first starts at the top of GM Rick Hahn, and he should get executive of the year, especially after the trade acquisitions he made at the trade deadline. It starts with him. We talked about it early in the year. Uh, about the depth on this roster, especially after what happened to Eloy Jimenez going down in spring training. Of course, he had various other injuries throughout the year. And so we praised Rick Hahn on the depth that he brought to this roster. And the players actually stepped up and then did what they had to do, the ones that, that filled in. Next is Tony La Russa. I'm not saying he's a perfect manager, but he's the perfect manager for this uh, young squad, uh, guiding them uh, and teaching them uh, on how, how to win, how to carry yourself as a professional, but because there's still a young core in that locker room. And so as a, uh, despite that foolish incident, air quotes, what happened with Yermin Mercedes with Minnesota early in the year, uh, I, I think that Tony Roos has handled the clubhouse uh, pretty well. So you still need a, that type of manager for this type of ball club. And so uh, they've been humble enough that, that he's letting them, those those players have fun. I know the culture with the players were set before La Russa got here, but so far it's been pretty good. I think he's going to be your runaway um, winner for American League Manager of the Year. Uh, we didn't expect Minnesota to fall this far with their injuries. And we expected, we told you guys, we expected Cleveland to have a, a, a second place finish just because, but you know, the, the Tony La Russa deserves his credit as well. Rick Hahn first, and then Tony La Russa second, of course, followed by the players third, because those, those are the ones that had to go out there and do the job day in, day out. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I think the fact that, yes, La Russa kind of has to keep sort of like the shift from going, you know, off the, you know, off the, uh, the, off the, uh, the seas. But again, Rick Hahn was the one who, you know, built this team up. He's the one that made the big trade. So, you know, I agree with you that, he'll probably end up getting executive of the year in baseball and deservedly. So now, you know, once we get to, you know, down to like after the Minnesota series, they have, you know, the three gamer against New York, you know, of course, you know, the, the Thursday game being in Iowa for the, the field of dreams game that they were supposed to have last year. And mm-hmm. I know there's some issues, you know, Anthony Rizzo, unfortunately will not be able to play in this, in this series because he contracted COVID and such, you know, unfortunately, this has been an issue for the Yankees all season has been guys, you know, coming in and out, you know, because of COVID issues. And, but, 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 you know, you, you avoid Gavin Cole, I mean, uh, Garrett Cole, I should say. So 
you, you still you still have to deal. We'll see what they deal with with the, the Yankees. You have four against Oakland. That should that'll be interesting. One interesting one there. Also, you got three. Mm-hmm. You have a, a massive road trip coming up next week. You know, starting next weekend, you got Tam- you got to go at Tampa, and you have four at Toronto. We'll get to Toronto and what they've been doing, you know, what they did this weekend in a little bit. But you know, after that, they got the Cubs to finish out the month. Also, to uh, have a two gamer at Pittsburgh. So against Pittsburgh, so. There's definitely some room to kind of, you know, get your know, pad in that league because they're trying to get that number one seed in the AL. But again, some tough games coming up. So if look, if, if the Sox can avoid any serious injuries, like they you know, they were able to they've been able to kind of play well despite those injuries, you can, you know, make a case for them having the best record in the AL. But you know, if they can get at least fish at 500, you know, you gotta be feeling pretty good if you're a White Sox fan right now. As we mentioned in our last couple of episodes, now we're into the month of August. These are the dog days of summer. And you, if you're the White Sox, you have to be prepared for this because you still have something to play for. Yes, you're going to win the division, but you still have something to play for, as you mentioned, uh, perhaps the number one seed throughout the American League playoffs to grab home field advantage. Uh, you're getting the test right now. We saw they passed the test against the AAA Cubs team. And now uh, this Minnesota series uh, that's, that's, that started – right before this Yankees series. Are you going to have a big letdown against the Twins on the road, or are you going to put your foot on the metal? That's the question that's facing the Sox team right now because, as you mentioned, they can't run down that schedule. You're going to play playoff-type teams uh, to wrap up this month of August. So you got to be prepared with that mentality right now because you could face uh, a Tampa Bay in the first round. You could face the Yankees possibly. You, mm-hmm. you uh, I've been telling this team all year, you'll – you're going to have to face Oakland. That's the series right there next week after you face the Yankees. How they, how the Sox are going to respond against a, a team that that mirrors them a little bit. And the Oakland, they have the hitting. They definitely have the pitching and the bull, bullpen to go with it. So if you're the White Sox, you got to match the intensities the the intensity of those type of teams. You got to be ready to play playoff baseball. Yes, it was nice to see them hit the cover off the baseball against the Cubs against bad pitching but we all know come playoff time is all about timely hitting and great pitching you're not gonna out slug everybody 10 to 8 9 to 2 12 to 4 that just doesn't happen in playoff baseball you got to play it close to the match you have great pitching great defense and some timely hitting and that's something that the White Sox have been doing all year long I know some Sox fans want to complain that we don't hit a, a whole lot of home runs that's okay as long as you take advantage of the other team's mistakes, mistakes to get timely hitting, and you win the ball game, that's all that matters. And I think that's all you need, right? But I, again, this is gonna this is gonna be very interesting to see how it plays out for the White Sox because, like you said, Sid. I mean, like we've been saying, there's they still got a lot of you know tough mat, tough uh, games, a tough series coming up. So you know, you kind of jog your position. I know some people were worried about you and Makata, but look, I think. I think it's going to be okay. I mean, look, you got the ebbs and flows of the season. You're you're finally playing a full season after what happened with you know, with COVID last year. You're going to win a division, and and look, I think it, it's all it's all going to you know, come to a head. I think look, you got you know a, a Jose Abreu leads you know is second in RBIs only to Vlad Jr. and you're right there near the top of the slugging percentages too. So. Hendricks has you know, as 26 saves leads the AL in that stat. So, look, I think look as long as you keep the keep the consistency, I think you'll they'll be just fine. 
And going back to the subject of Johan Makata, of course, I was there on Saturday, and he started off the offense with a, a two-run double in the top of the first inning. They did kind of hold up until the end when the Sox had two solo shots by Cesar Hernandez and Jose Abreu, as you mentioned just a second ago. And then, of course, Johan drew. He was 0-1 with three walks in the Sunday night game against the Cubs. So hopefully this starts to turn it around for Mr. Moncada. He has good defense. And we all know that he can turn it on offensively. Hopefully, this is start start of something big. As now, as far as that bullpen is concerned, I know Craig Kimball is human, and he gave it up on Friday, last Friday. But uh, I, I still expect a lot from him. He's going to be okay. I know the other pitchers that bullpen, Jose Ruiz, to be exact, and Ryan Tapera, who both of them pitched on Sunday, they looked good. And of course, having the big lead helps as well. But those guys, you'll have to depend on that as well. Michael Kopech, he did the job on Saturday, and so he's back on track. He didn't look good in his previous couple of outings, and so i, I like to see Kopech. I think he'll be okay. And so that, their bullpen is a whole lot better than it was a few weeks ago, so I, I'm not worried about the bullpen. It's just that you have to keep up that intensity, and hopefully the offense will start to catch a hot streak as we uh, go to the middle of this month. Well, the problem, well, I think the good part about it is the fact that there's so much depth on this roster. I mean, if one guy, you know, has a, you know, a bad stretch, you know, another guy can pick up the slack. Now the problem is going to be if everybody has their issues at the same time. So that's like the one thing you don't want. So we'll, we'll see what happens. Mm-hmm. But, but again, I think, you know, I think it's sort of like you got to play it by ear if you're the, if you're the White Sox. You're going to win a division. So don't worry about that. You're still trying to you know, position yourself to have like the best record in the American league, which you can still do. But again, you got a tough stretch coming up. So, you know, just, just, you know, just take, take it one series at a time is really all you can do. And, and look, don't be you know upset. If you lose a series, if you lose two out of three or three out of four to, um, to the, to, to the A's or the blue Jays, or, you know, lose two out of three to the Yankees. You just, sometimes that, that stuff just happens in the, in the long season. So let, let, you know, I, I'm not like I'm not gonna go into a long, you know, go to a long winded mm-hmm. stretch here. But I, I think you, I think the White Sox are, are, should be happy that they're in a good place right now. You're listening to Second City Sports along with Lakina McGee. I am Cindy Brown. As we talk about Chicago baseball, now we're going to the national uh, part of <laughs> the, the, the go nationally as we talk about the best and worst of from this past weekend in Major League Baseball. I'll start off, Lakina. Uh, one of the teams that the Chicago White Sox are chasing to perhaps grab home field advantage for the American League playoffs. The Houston Astros losing three or four at home to the Minnesota Twins. And that's what I said that, look, again, you have to, you, you can't take every series lightly. You can't just, I'm sure they were sort of showed up and they probably thought, oh, you know, excuse me. Oh, you know what? It's just the Twins. You know, they're, you know, they're not going anywhere, but Again, that's mm-hmm. why you, again, this is what I warn White Sox fans, do not take series lightly. So Houston, I think, took Minnesota, excuse me, I think, <laughs> I think you know, Houston took Minnesota lately, and mm-hmm. look, this would happen. They lose three out of four. So, you know, again, now they're only up to it against Oakland. So, again, you know, mm-hmm. Oakland and Seattle, we'll talk about them in a second. You know, they were able to gain a little bit of ground because of the bad series they had. And look, if you're an Astros fan, I think you're you're not freaking out yet. But you know what? But unless you're you're happy about it, I don't know. But <laughs> but uh, you know, it, it's 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 fine. I don't th- I don't think Houston fans should panic just yet. 
And also, too, staying with the American League, uh, the Yankees failed to sweep the Seattle Mariners. Uh, they lost on Sunday 2 to nothing. But as we mentioned, we talked about with Rizzo with the game coming up against the White Sox uh, this coming Thursday. And, of course, the, the weekend series will wrap up here in Chicago uh, this coming weekend with the game Saturday and Sunday at Sox Park. Uh, the, the Yankees took three or four from Seattle. Uh, they still in the race. Uh, you mentioned it just a moment ago, the Boston Red Sox and the Toronto Blue Jays doing battle up north of the border. Uh, Toronto, as we told you guys, uh, ever since now they're starting to play their home games in, uh, at used to be Sky Dome, now Rogers Center. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've been catching fire. Uh, um, I don't know if you got a chance to catch that comeback win by the Blue Jays uh, last Sunday, but it was a beautiful thing to watch. I mean, those three, those three, all four of those series, those games, well, except for the, the Thursday one, which, you know, Toronto just blew the doors off of the Red Sox 12 to four, but yeah. the rest of the, the rest of the other three were actually very entertaining. I think in a couple of instances where um, George Springer, you know, how, how great is it for them for the Blue Jays to have him back to kind of add the yes. extra power in that offense? He, of course, they got that cool jacket, you know, we talked about <laughs> on, uh, on Fridays, on Friday's um, episode, but yeah, I mean, Look, it seems like the pitching started to get going with Barrios starting the way now, mm-hmm. getting him from Minnesota. And, you know, they're, they're getting, you know, I think they're, they're kind of going to a rhythm here. Now, again, they may be too far, you know, back for to win the AL East, but they could definitely make a run for one of those wild card spots. And I really, we've been raving about this, you know, Blue Jays team for, it seems like for months now. I'm glad mm-hmm. that, it's, especially now that they're back in Toronto, I think that's sort of, you know, and a little bit of pep in there, except the White Sox got to face, have to face them in a couple of weeks. So they better be ready for that series. Now, they might be very similar styles. But again, if you're Toronto, I think you'll be feeling, you should be feeling pretty good where you're at right now. Yeah, let's switch over to the uh, National League. Of course, the Philadelphia Phillies, your new leaders in the clubhouse in the National League East, they lead the New York Mets by two and a half games. They swept them over the weekend. The Atlanta Braves, which we'll talk about in a minute, they technically are, technically are in second place as of this recording. Lakina, Zach Wheeler, who was supposed to be the White Sox original starting pitcher in free agency before last season, uh, he decided to stay, uh, go with Philadelphia because his wife's from that area. He had, he had a heck of a performance on Sunday, only his third career shutout his second of the season as a member of the Phillies on Roy Halladay Day. Of course, for those of you that have been living on the Rockies, passed away. He's in the Baseball Hall of Fame. Lakina, Philadelphia, I told you I'm not a big fan of their bullpen, but uh, they started to turn it around, especially offensively. Of course, I'm a big fan of Joe Girardi. He, he should be a manager of the White Sox, but that's a whole nother conversation for a whole nother time. But Philadelphia uh, has won, I believe, eight in a row. They swept the Mets this weekend. Uh, the Mets, uh, I think they can still get it together, but they got to turn it around and turn it around fast. And it didn't help that Javi Baez went out on Sunday's yeah. game with an apparent, uh, I believe, not ankle injury, but a hamstring pull, Hams- I believe. Hammy, hammy. Yeah, that's Hamstring. Uh, I know he came out uh, uh, on fire for the Mets, but uh, if he's out for any length of time, that's going to be bad news uh, uh, for the Metropolitans. You already have, already have Jacob DeGrom out. And that's not good either. Yeah, I mean, you know, the Philly, well, I'll start with the Phillies first. They've won eight in a row. And I thought of you and all the other White Sox fans when Zach Wheeler had that great outing on Sunday. Um, <laughs> 11, I think it's only what, his second complete game. So, mm-hmm. career complete game, I should say. So, having 11 strikeouts and being able to, you know, kind of tame that Mets offense, which has not been very good, especially now with, now with Javi out. You know, we don't know the extent of that hamstring injury, but, you know, they've been. Look, I don't look. 
who knows? I mean, if they, if the Phillies can you know keep this up, they probably won't because, like I said, said they've been having they're still having you know bullpen issues. You know, even though they you know, the last couple of games they didn't really need them, but right. you know, look, I think you know, Philadelphia. I think I'm not going to say that they're going to run away with the, the the AL East. I think there's still a lot of lot a lot of games are still left to be played between all you know between all all three of them. You know, the Phillies, the Braves, and the Mets. So everyone's going to beat each other up. You know, as it gets closer and closer to the end of the season. So. This this isn't over with just yet, folks. It's but it's definitely it's definitely like a three team like slug fest for that division. Yes, yeah, so as I mentioned, the Atlanta Braves they took care of business against the Washington uh, Nationals over the weekend. I know they won their series finale five to four last Sunday. Lakina, <laughs> I know the Braves are over the five hundred mark for the first time this season. Uh, the that Ronald Acuna Jr. injury is is going to be what keeps them out of the playoffs. So. Give them credit for fighting back, but I, I just not believe in them. If they somehow find a way to win the division again, so so be it. They had to overcome a whole lot more than they did a year ago, but I just don't see it, especially with this Acuna injury, who's out for the year with a with a knee injury. He injured himself a little bit over a month ago now, but I I, I give them credit for hanging in there. I just don't see them hanging on at the end. It's good. Yeah, I think that's who, who knows. I mean, I think that's probably what ultimately they keep them from winning the division it is not having Acuna Jr. there. So I think, look, you got to put up the fight. I think that's what that's all you could ask for if you're a Braves fan. But in the meantime, I think that's what's going to kill him in the end, not having a, you know, having that extra bat. I, I know that, you know, Duvall's been playing well for the Braves. I know, you know, Swanson's been playing very, very well for the Braves. I think at this point, I think you just got to like, you know, just keep up the fight and, you know, like they have to play against, like I said, they have to play against the other team, the other two teams, you got to play them as the Phillies again. So mm-hmm. who who knows? I mean, can they keep it up? I don't think they will. I just don't think they have the bats to do it. But again, look, the good, you know, good on them for doing what they're supposed to being a national team that's basically, you know, wiping their, the slate clean and starting over. Mm-hmm. Let's head over to the National League Western Division. Of course, you have the Giants, San Francisco. That is San Francisco's version of the Giants. Uh, you have the Los Angeles Dodgers, and you have the San Diego Padres. I'll start with the San Francisco Giants. I, I think, as we said over the last few weeks, San Francisco, unless they have a, the one of the worst collapses of all time, they're going to be in the playoffs. Uh, I don't want to say it just yet, Lakina, but I'm starting to get that feeling that they're going to win the NL West. And if that's the case, if you're the Dodgers, you definitely do not want to play the Padres in the one-game playoff to determine the NL wild card right now because that's not going to look good for you. But I'll start with the San Francisco Giants first. They swept the Milwaukee Brewers 90, uh, 90, 90 minutes north of us here in Chicago over the weekend. Chris Bryant is still continuing to look good. Johnny Cueto, he leads that pitching staff of the San Francisco Giants. Lamont Wade Jr., one of the best young hitters in the game uh, at the leadoff spot. He's the energizer. Funny that that gets them going for the San Francisco Giants. Uh, we talked about this team, Lakina, over the last couple of years. They're AARP team. Not so much this year. Uh, they're getting it done with a bunch of no names outside of Chris Bryant. Well, I think the thing is that can it keep it up? I mean, you're going to be dealing with guys who don't have a lot of experience, you know, in that. I mean, look, no one thought that the, the Giants would be playing this good right now. You know, mm-hmm. everyone thought that was going to be a there would be a rebuild mode, but you know, Gabe Kaplan is, you know, else come in and you know, just I don't know, a little I don't know what's what happened, but I guess you know they lit a fire under the the team, and like you said, I mean, they're getting the good contributions from a, you know a couple of you know. Guys that you know, and you know, others no name guys. And again, 
I think it's going to be between them and the Dodgers because the Padres are having their own injury issues with, you know, you don't know what they said is the Tatis injury. So there's, there's some worry that he may have to have season injury, season ending surgery. So, and the Dodgers are having some of their issues too. They don't know what the, you just don't know what the Trevor Bauer situation is going to be. That's still, you know, lingering out there. So this sort of, the, you know, the Giants are kind of benefiting from all of that. So Again, still got a long way to go. I mean, they've got a tough schedule, you know, coming up. But I, I mean, I'm not gonna say that they're gonna win a division just yet. I'm not there yet. I think they still there's still like a lot of baseball left to be played, and they still have a pretty tough schedule. I know a, a, after the after the Diamondbacks and the Rockies, they have three against uh, the Mets next week. Then they got three in the, the, sort of like the base interleague series, if you will, against mm-hmm. Oakland next weekend. Then they have the Mets against or Sandwich in between that series so i'm not like i'm not just going to give the vision just yet but but you know what I, I think right now i'm not like i think it's definitely going to be between the giants and the the dodgers for the nl west since you're not going to give the giants a division will you at least give manager dave kebler the national league manager of the year oh i think so oh, yeah i think he definitely has earned it i think no one okay. like i said nobody thought that this team would be contending Everyone thought that this would be like, you know, okay, you'll, 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 you trade, you'll trade, um, you know, some of their, their veteran guys, you'll trade, a, you know, Cueto, you'll, you'll trade maybe, mm-hmm. maybe Posey, you know, no, no one thought that this team would be, you know, one thought Brandon this, Crawford's still hanging Brandon around Crawford's too. Still there. Yeah, he's still there. I think he, I think he just turned 30, Brandon Crawford. So, and he got, like you said, he got a couple of, you know, got some no-name guys. I mean, no one thought that they were going to. You know, also Wilson Flores too. There's a familiar name as well. So no one thought that. Yeah, he was on that 2015 team with the Mets that yeah, lost so, to, uh, KC in the World yeah, Series. Yeah, so yeah, so nobody thought that this team was going to be this good. No one thought that. But like I said, I mean, they're they're playing with house money right now. So again, you know, I'll, I'll get look. I'll give I'll give Kepler the, you know, his his due for you know manager of the year in the NL. But you know, right now I'm not. I'm still not there yet in the win of the division. I know they got to. They got They still got to play the Dodgers a few times too before the season's over with. So I'm not like they'll 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 get the, they'll get into the playoffs regardless. Quiet you. They'll get the, they'll get the playoffs regardless. <laughs> but I don't I don't I don't have them winning the division just yet. Uh, wrapping up the, the division talk in in the West, uh, the Dodgers they take care of the Angels in the L.A. Freeway Series, taking two out of three. Congrats to Albert Pujols, who's a part-time player now for the Dodgers. He hit a home run last Sunday against his former team. Career home run number 676. Mm-hmm. He's a future first ballot Hall of Famer. The Dodgers, as you mentioned, Trevor Bauer, you just had to assume that he's not going to pitch for you again this year. Max Scherzer, they picked up at the trade deadline. We saw what he did uh, last week in his first start against uh, uh, in his first start uh, against the Houston Astros. Houston, Houston, uh, he had, Houston, Houston. Yeah, Houston Astros and he had 11 strikeouts in his debut, so he's going to have to be the the barrier as far as their pitching staff. You still have Walker Buehler, who's, I believe, the best pitcher on that staff. So you had to be carried by those two guys as far as that starting rotation is concerned. I know Mookie Betts is still out with his uh, various injuries. Hopefully you had to get him back in the lineup soon. Now for the Padres, they took care of business against a lowly Arizona club uh, this past weekend. But as you mentioned, Lakina, if Fernando Tatis Jr. has to have season endings surgery on that shoulder, which he injured the last couple of times during the season, that's that's really going to be problematic for San Diego because you definitely don't want to have to face that mountain of not having the best player on your team against the Dodgers in the potential uh, wildcard playoff. 
no matter where the game is, whether it's in San Diego or Los Angeles. Well, look, like, like as I said before, I mean, it's going to be interesting to see this. Hopefully, if you're if you're a Padres fan, you're hoping that that's not the case, that he has to have that surgery. But, you know, it's not looking good right now. And, look, you did what you're supposed to. Like you said, they, they beat the Diamond Bats, you know, did what they had to do, did what they were supposed to do. You're still seven and a half back. You're mm-hmm. you're still going to probably have to play maybe somebody, whether it's the Dodgers or the Giants or something. You're going to have to play somebody for that wild card spot. So, I mean – you really there's nothing that they can do you just hope just hope that 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 you know that you know that shoulder could hold up for hold up for Tatis Jr. and just hope that he can you know finish up the season and power yeah. through yeah here's the, the schedule for baseball for this week coming up you have the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim they travel to Toronto to take on the Blue Jays you have the Detroit Tigers facing the Baltimore Orioles in Baltimore at Camden Yards you have the Los Angeles Dodgers facing the Philadelphia Phillies in, the, in a big series for both teams. You have the St. Louis Cardinals taking on the Pittsburgh Pirates in the NL Central battle. The Oakland Athletics will travel to Cleveland to take on the Indians. Sox fans should watch that series closely for, for reasons where we won't get into here. Tampa Bay will travel to Boston to take on the Red Sox. Of course, these two teams have battled each other back and forth in the AL East race all year. The Washington Nationals will travel to New York to take on the on the the travel New York to take on the Metropolitans, aka the New York Mets. Cincinnati will travel to Atlanta to take on the Braves. Both those teams are involved heavily in the NL wildcard race. The Milwaukee Brewers will travel here to Chicago to take on the lowly Cubs. Of course, you have the Sox and the Twins. Colorado at Houston and the, the New York Yankees at Kansas City to take on the Royals. The Diamondbacks at San Francisco. And the and Tex the Marlins at the Padres and then the Texas Rangers at Seattle. So that's the schedule for baseball for this coming week. You're listening to Sega City Sports as we wrap up segment number one along with Lakina McGee. I am Sydney Brown. Lakina, let's tackle this issue quickly as we talk about the Chicago Bulls. Of course, the trade for Alonzo Ball, the point guard out of New Orleans, is no more. He's officially now a member of the Chicago Bulls. Uh, Thomas Zanaransky in a second round pick. And the, I forgot who the other player was. They're now officially gone uh, Jared, to uh, the New Orleans uh, Pelicans. That young. That, that is young. Thank you. So both those guys, including this uh, future second-round pick, uh, they're now part of the New Orleans Pelicans franchise. Lakina, there's been uh, reports of uh, possible tampering issues involving the Chicago Bulls. And I think, as you said over Twitter over the weekend – in various outlets, everybody tampers. Okay, some they're doing it in some form or fashion. I I don't think that anything could will come of this. And if you're the NBA, I'll go into my conspiracy mode. I know there's some you NBA fans out there that believe in conspiracy theories. Okay, if you're the NBA, if the Bulls actually did something really outrageous, do you really think they're going to punish them? And you need the, the Bulls haven't been this relevant since the Derrick Rose days, and that's been five six years ago. Okay. Do you really want to mess up that money train? Because the, the, the Bulls have been this relevant in a long time. And this is the most pre-hype that we ever experienced going into a season in a long time. Do you really want to mess up that money train and mess up that momentum? Do you? If you commission Adam Silver, do you really want to mess this up? They'll be bad for business. If you're going to punish the Bulls, punish every other team in your league that does this. You don't want to do this. Unless it's something that's obvious and uh, and that really sticks out like a sore thumb. I don't see anything coming of it. 
Well, yeah, I mean, the, the, the Bulls, the Bulls, you know, they, they can you know, frame this and say, look, we already had the framework of this training. You know, we know that, look, Lonzo Ball has wanted to come to Chicago. He's, he said it, you know, he's, he's one, is one like three or two, like three or four teams. They say he wanted to play. He wanted to play with Zach Levine. He wants to play for the Bulls. And they already had the framework of the, the trade mm-hmm. going. So, yeah, yeah, I read, yeah, I, I don't know about you, but I read, you know, Casey Johnson, who does a great job over at NBC Sports Chicago, writing for the Bulls. Yes, I read that article saying that, well, Laurie Marketing was the the piece and blah, 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 you know, whatever. But it, it it's going to make, you can't pick and choose who to domesticate when it comes to tampering. Because everybody tampers in, some, like Sid said, everyone tampers in some form or fashion, whether it's, you know, players, you know, congregating, you know, over dinner or whatever, or, um, a GM, you know, talks to another player or whatever, but just get rid of the rule entirely because, you know, you, you want to, okay. Yeah. I get why they put the rule in because, well, you know, some of the small market teams are, you know, kind of stopping their foot and, you know, the tantrum saying that, oh, well, you know, it's all the, you know, the veg goes to like all the big cities and the super teams. Well, that, look, that's still happening. So like, it's like, if you're not, you know, it, it looks bad for, like I said, it says bad for business now. That's, they're not the only ones that are, you know, aren't under hot water as I'm doing the air quotes here that apparently the Miami trade from Kyle, you know, with Kyle Lowry from Toronto, that's still under question too. So the similar circumstances, you look, I I think it makes you look bad for the NBA either get rid of the rule, which I think that's what they'll do. I think they will get rid of the rule Mm -hmm. eventually because I think there's going to be too much backlash. It's good. I know, I know the, the Malcolm, the Malcolm Bogdan, you know, trade that didn't go through with the bucks, you know, blah, blah, blah. It took a month, but that was back when, you know, during the pandemic and they probably didn't have a lot of resources. It's going to take maybe about maybe a week or two, I think at most, because they don't look, they don't want look. I mean, Alan Silver is a big, you know, is a big, you know, image conscious is more of an image cautious guy. He's not going to want to, you know, get rid of the money train, the gravy chase. So, you know, if anything, they'll probably get maybe a half a million dollar fine if that's so, and they'll be over and done with before the two by two weeks. I gave it two weeks max. Mm-hmm. And didn't the, the league discuss this uh, issue a couple of years ago as well? Almost something else, just as big as this happened. So, like like you mentioned before, this this issue isn't new. If you guys really remember your history, the league owned this team at the time it was the New Orleans Hornets. But remember those proposed trade for Lamar Oldham for Chris Paul before that 2012 lockout season. Of course, uh, the late commissioner David Stern asked that because of basketball related issues. So the league has had these types of issues when it comes to Tampa before. So hopefully this is the end of it. And like you said, they need to change some of the rules, make it clear to what teams can and cannot do. So you won't have issues like this again, but the league has had issues like this before. And but they can't pick and choose. Like I know, like, I know Lakers fans are still pissed because, and I know CP3 to some extent too that he couldn't go to the Lakers and play with <laughs> and play with Kobe and them. But mm-hmm. but you know what? You gotta you gotta pick a lane here. Either get rid of the rule or be more clear on what can and can't be done. And perhaps maybe tell guys like Sean Sharna and um, Andrew Wojnarowski, which I think that's how all this started. Maybe perhaps yeah. tell them you know not to break news. You know, wait maybe a maybe an hour after something happens or maybe you know wait maybe a couple of days to break the news and though the sort of the race to be first but maybe that needs to change too yeah we know uh, especially adrian wojanowski Woj bombs he loves to drop those so uh it, it'll, it'll be interesting to see how the league um finish up these investigations if anything big comes out of it i don't expect anything really big to come out of it if it does like you said looking it'll probably be a, a monetary fine and then go about your business 
and just be clear just be clear on what can and can't be done like you said to just just be mm-hmm. clear about it because everyone does it and if yes. or and if not yes. just get rid of the rule yeah and if not just get rid of the rule entirely because again it is just like i think people you're gonna you're gonna have you know anarchy on your hands and if you're the nba you don't want that especially since you had a pretty you had a pretty good uh pretty good um year ratings wise especially monetary wise so you don't want to stop that like you said you don't want to stop that gravy train all right um segment number one is in the books stay tuned for more sports and more fun as second city sports continues as we review hall of fame weekend from the pro football hall of fame in canton ohio a college football legend passed away and we'll review the gold medal games for Team USA, both the women's and the men's. Along with Lakina McGee, I am Sydney Brown. You're listening to Second City Sports. We'll see and hear you on the other side. Welcome back to the second half of Second City Sports Zoom style. Zoom style. <laughs> Along with Lakina McGee, I am Sydney Brown. You can follow yours truly on the Twitter and the IG at CK80. Once again, that's CK80. That's SIDKID80. SIDKID80. You follow me at Keenan McGee on the Twitter and at Keenan Score McGee on the IG. Uh, let's kick off the second half of Second City Sports Looking by reviewing the speeches from this past weekend's Pro Football Hall of Fame classes of 2020 and 2021. Of course, we'd like to say our congratulations once again to. Uh, 85 Chicago Bear Office of Lyman Jimbo Culver. Yay. He was part of that um, Hall of Fame cele- ceremony over the weekend. Of course, it was highlighted by Peyton Manning's speech. Drew Pearson, who finally got in. <laughs> he was the original number 88 from the Dallas Cowboys before Michael Irvin. He got in. Tom Flores got his due. He was uh, in, uh, inducted into the Hall of Fame uh, along with former uh, college and pro football head coach Jimmy Johnson finally got his due. He got in. Yeah. He was very emotional over the weekend. So, Lakina, I, I only saw the Peyton Manning speech. We'll review that in just a moment. And I saw part of Drew Pearson's speech and a little bit of Jimbo Kovic's speech. But what was the main highlight for you over the weekend uh, as far as the Hall of Fame speeches were concerned? Just a pure joy of some of the, the, the guys that you thought that had to wait you know, you saw the pure joy of you. You just mentioned Drew Pearson's speech. Just a pure, like, I think mm-hmm. he kept, I know some people were kind of, you know, I don't want to say nagging, but he sort of, he kept saying, you know, Pro Football Hall of Fame. I think he just, I think he kind of wanted to keep, keep saying it because he just couldn't believe that you finally got in. He had to wait. Yeah. Shouldn't have, should have been in a couple of years ago, but again, that's a whole nother, whole mm-hmm. nother um, story. But the fact that just a, just a pure joy, like in his face, you know, he was, his speech was, um, his speech was, you know, was great. Um, Listen to some of the you know, the you know the the speeches of some of the uh, I'll, I'll go with the last year's um class first. Um, Isaac Bruce, you know, was beautifully you know a, a great um speech. Also, if you didn't hear Edger and James's speech, if you're not going to hear any of the other speech that you just mentioned, so, but Edger and James's speech, you know, basically saying that all the misconceptions that that was thrust upon him, you know, where he came from, he was just outside of outside of Miami. Not a, mm-hmm. not a very good part of that area. And, you know, because, you know, he had his dreads and everything. And, you know, the fact that he said from, you know, um, well, I'm, I, let me look this up right quick, but I want to make sure I get the quote right from, you know, so he sort of, I paraphrase what he said from like, you know, not, not the best part of Miami from, I guess, from that part to now the gold, from the, his gold teeth to now the gold jacket, which is a very, is a very <laughs> you, you have to, you have to look at the, uh, they're on YouTube. So I'm sure they're, they're on YouTube, mm-hmm. in the, the Pro Football Hall of Fame uh, site. So if you if you miss the speeches, you know you should definitely check those out. Um, 
you know, you saw Troy Palomalo with his speech and, his, and the impact there. And also, too, I mean, you know, just, the, you know, Jimmy Johnson's speech were very emotion, emotional, you know, him, you know, losing, you know, not being, you know, close to his sons, but now they are very close. You know, you saw, you saw his two sons out there. And Jim mm-hmm. O'Cover's speech was really cool. You know, the fact that he even shared a story about, um, you know, how he, you know, he would hit Walter Payne would jump into his arms at, before game day and say, you know, <laughs> You know, good morning, sunshine. Yeah. He had to, he had to, the way he said it, you know, he had to, how he said it, he said it better than I did. But, you know, good morning, sunshine. You know, get ready to kick some ass. <laughs> I was so like, it was totally, it was totally yeah. like, you know, what, it was totally, you know, what, you know, totally, you know, like, you could definitely see a definite comments of what, what Walter Payton said. Um, yeah, shout out to Matt, real quick, shout out to Matt Suri, who was the fullback on that team. He was watching Payton's best friend. Uh, he, yeah. He also presented Jim O'Cobra with the speech. So uh, shout out to Matsui as well. And just also, too, you saw Dan Marino's face because you remember we mentioned this in the Friday's um, podcast. People forget that it was Jim O'Cobra, two time mm-hmm. All American at Pitt. He protected um, Dan Marino. And if you saw, if you go back to, that, to, to Marino's speech a few years ago, one of the first guys, football guys he mentioned, he thanked was Jimbo. So you can tell mm-hmm. how, you know, how much you know, that meant to him. You know, the fact that he, you know, Probably said himself he wouldn't have a Hall of Fame career if it wasn't for Jimbo in college over at Pitt. You know, Harold, Harold Carm, Michael Cliff Harris. I mean, you know, I like the kind of the older guys because of the fact that they had to wait so long. Steve Atwater, the great safety from those Broncos teams. Also, Commissioner Paul Taglavu. I mean, however you guys, you know, feel about him, I think he definitely sort of raised his days in the game when it came to, you know, television and the social mm-hmm. aspect of it. He definitely played a role in that. Steve Hutchinson. You know, I was surprised he didn't get in already. You know, the guard from, you know, the, the Seahawks, the Vikings, mm-hmm. you know, just a just a, a great showing there. Donnie Shell, you know, who was part of those great Pittsburgh teams in the 70s, you know, tail in the 70s mm-hmm. and in the 80s. You know, that another guy that should have gotten in already. We mentioned Isaac Bruce, um, well, of course, you know, Jimbo, and also to also to Bill Coward. If you saw, if you heard his speech, his speech was very emotional. And the fact that, you know, Mario Schoenheimer took a chance on him. He was only in his early 30s. And the Rudy family took a chance on him to coach Pittsburgh, you know, when he didn't have any coach experience. And the fact, you know, came a long way. Now he's a great analyst for CBS. has been doing it for, for years now. So just a sweet, sweet moment. So we'll go to the, the to uh, this year's class. But to, what do you think? I know you didn't I know you didn't watch a lot of it. But what do you think about, you know, my, my you know, sayings about, the, about last year's class? Oh, it's tremendous, and and like you said, Jim Brokova's speech was very entertaining and and uh and amusing at the same time. But it, it, speeches, especially for those ceremonies, are very inspirational. Something for you to think about, to laugh at. It's it's you know, sports is is a cosmo mirror of life. You know, you're gonna have your good, you have your bad, ups and downs. So it's just a beautiful circle that we live through. And so, just uh, congratulations to those guys once again all very deserving and some of those guys probably should have gotten in already but again we, we've, we've already kind of mm-hmm. we don't have a tangent about that they're in that's all that counts that's now that's all yeah. that counts yeah i'll say yeah it doesn't matter how they get there as long as they get there or how long they had to wait but we talked about you know talk about this year's class you know we got drew pearson in his speech i mean like it's like i said you know should let him go for a half hour to yeah, know, right? him, let him wait <laughs> yeah i know right you know just a, just a pure joy in his face you know and he thanked roger starback mm-hmm. who you know fellow hall of famer who presented him and you know just a, just you know just a pure emotion just a joy in his face the fact that he had to wait as long as he did it was just it was a crime that he had to wait as long as he did but 
the original 88 for Dallas and the original Hail Mary for Dallas. If you know, yes. that, that gets an NFC, an NFC playoff game against Minnesota, you know, look that up on it. I think it was a 1970. What year was that? Said? I think I want to say 77, 78. 70, yeah. 77. I think that's what it was. Cause it was mm-hmm. during, it was in the playoff game, but yeah, you know, finally got his getting his due. Um, uh, to, uh, Tom Flores. I mean, I love that. I love his speech when he started. He said, "Look, I'm 84 years old. I want to go first. I want to go to <laughs> this is a fastest bedtime." <laughs> that was hilarious. But, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, you know, people forget. I know Tony Dungy gets a lot of you know well-deserved mm-hmm. credit for being the first African American to win coach to win a Super Bowl, but the first coach of color to do it was Tom Flores. He shared his background mm-hmm. growing up in Southern, in Central California. Didn't think he would go to college, but he did. Did think he'd be coaching in the NFL and you know playing in the NFL, but he did. Was the first um, you know Mexican born, uh, not Mexican Mexican born, but you know Mexican descent to you mm-hmm. know play quarterback and also to you know lead a team to you know, the Super Bowl. I think the first coach, I think the first man to do. No, I think he was the second guy after Dicka. No, I think Dicka was the second guy. After, I don't know. I got that mixed up, but to win a Super Bowl as a player, assistant coach and a coach, of course, he won two with the Raiders. Finally getting his due because he probably should have he should have gotten it already. But you yeah. know what? What do you think? Yeah, as we mentioned in our last episode, Tom Flores was the first coach of color to win the Super Bowl. Of course, he was followed by Art Shell in, in 1989. And so, shout out to Art Shell. I believe he's in the Hall of Fame as a player. Correct? Yes, he is. He is. Yeah. So, um, brain's still working, folks. I'm not googling it either. <laughs> so, <laughs> Nicely done. and that, and that's and that's a and that's a credit to the late Al Davis. You know, he gave chances to. Uh, folks of color in, in the African American community, in particular, of course, uh, with bringing up our show that brought up uh, that brings up the uh, the list of black head coaches that was soon to follow in the '90s with the late Dennis Green getting hired in Minnesota. Of course, he coached Arizona uh, during the mid 2000s. But uh, Al Davis started the trend. Who's a Hall of Fame in his right, even though he's passed on. He started a trend to have minority coaches, not just head coaches, but coaches in in higher positions and in the front office as well. Also, females, too. Don't forget, you know, Amy Trask, who's a great, if you guys don't follow her yes. on Twitter, you should. She is this, probably one of the smartest football minds that, you know, male or female that you have. And hopefully she gets her doing the Hall of Fame because she definitely deserves uh, that honor, too. Of course, you know, third up, and I, I, I'm kind of surprised he didn't go last, but I guess he wanted to go third, was um, Peyton Manning, five-time MVP, first man to win Super Bowls with two different, to start, to be a starting quarterback for to winning Super Bowls for two different teams. Just his speech. I mean, it was, you know, it was heartfelt. It was funny. He made fun of the time limit, the six minute time limit. Like, thanks a lot, Ray Lewis. <laughs> it was just hilarious. Of course, he got emotional talking about his dad. And that's sort of what is, you know, kind of set up what he said when he was like, I think it was like maybe like four or five at the time, you know, when a guy asked him, you know, this is when Archie was playing for the uh, the Saints. Well, who, who he, they asked Peyton who was his favorite football player. He said his dad. And that was sort of like, you felt that, that energy, you felt that emotion. But he also, if you think, if you listen to his speech, especially those last couple of minutes, he sort of like acted like, dare I say, was angry for the NFL commissioner's job. Sid, <laughs> I mean, look, he, look, he mentioned, yeah, we ta- he, he mentioned, oh, oh, just want to finish this. He mentioned, um, the, the concussion, the safety concerns, and the social justice concerns and stuff. So he sounded like he was angling for the job. Now, again, you know, Roger Goodell has got that unlocked for the next three years, but I'm, you know, what do you think? So I know you, you call it a bit of his speech. 
Yeah, and his speech was a great speech. We talked about this before we started recording. Uh, Peyton Manning, uh, no, he's going to do Monday Night Football on the alternate broadcast this year, along, along with his brother Eli. Uh, Tom, shout out to Tom Brady, who's still active, of course, with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He was sitting in, in the section where Peyton Manning's family <laughs> was. Yes. But uh, we, I said he, the way he presented himself, he could run for public office right now if he chose to. But I know oh. he said at the end of his speech that he's going to dedicate his life to to preserve the future of the game of football. You mentioned you brought up the uh, safety concerns and the social justice concerns. I don't know how much of that part he's going to go into, but uh, if he's, if he becomes a general manager or a president of football operations, or like you said, heaven forbid a com commissioner, he could do it. He has to, he has the image, he has the presentation, he has the knowledge to do it. So I won't be shocked if any of those things happen within the next three to five years. Well, uh, yeah, I mean, because I football think... is really in his blood and yeah. thanks to his dad, Archie for that. Yeah, and also too, I'm sure. Look, he's gonna do some TV work. He's been doing TV work various various forms. You know, people have been wanting him to do analyst stuff. I think that's not really what he wanted wants to do. But I think I think he is probably gonna be the commissioner at some point. Maybe we'll see. Um, Maybe. Yeah, some of those real quick. Some of those episodes I I caught on YouTube yeah, or Peyton's oh, place. Yeah, yeah, those are entertaining. Those are. Oh, you know, people forget how entertaining. How you know. Yeah. Easy going and fun, loving, loving, loving. We look. If you saw his sit on SNL, we know he's he has a great sense of humor. Yeah. So <laughs> come on. All right. Uh, free safety, John Lynch. Surprised he didn't go in already. I mean, he definitely deserves of this honor. Of course, went to five Pro Bowls. Of course, won a Super Bowl with Tampa. The first one, the Tampa one, and he actually, you know, he was you know very emotional. Of course, he actually also made a case for his good friend and teammate Rondé Barber, who's been a finalist a couple of times mm -hmm. the last few years, and hopefully can, he joins him and of course uh, Warren Sapp and Derek Brooks in the Hall of Fame too. Though that that part of that Tampa team that you know that mm -hmm. was a really good Tampa team back in the late nineties, early two thousands. It makes you kind of wish missed those creasicle uniforms when he first got there, but uh, <laughs> but uh, but yeah. So um, just a, a great speech by him, and you know, and look, again, it was he was more than due for it. What do you think about his? I know you didn't see his speech, but what do you think, uh, Sid? Yeah, like you said, John Lynch should have been in a long time ago. Like you said, those Tampa Bay teams, especially defensively, were the best. Uh, defensive units in NFL history uh, during that era, and Ronde Barber's um, he he should be in. I'm, I'm shocked that Fox let him go as far as his broadcasting yeah, is concerned. Really a couple of years ago, yeah, uh, hopefully he lands on his feet as far if he wants to continue broadcasting. But uh, Ronde Barber should be in the Hall of Fame. Uh, he 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 was one of those guys uh, in the in the secondary that made that team go along with John Lynch. So John Lynch made a great case for him. And why not? Like you say, he's been on the doorstep the last few years. So what's the holdup? And also, too, um, Lynch mentioned that at Stanford, he actually was playing linebacker. And it was um, the late, you know, the late Denny Green also, too, as well as the late Bill Walsh, who came back to Stanford. He moved. They moved him. He moved him, I should say, Walsh did to the free safety position. Mm -hmm. And the rest was history. So very smart move by uh, yeah. Coach Walsh. Yeah, and that's why John Lynch was one of the best hard-hitting safeties of all time. Uh, I think number one is still Ronnie Lott. Yeah. And the way he, and with his missing finger, if you don't know that story, go look mm. it up on YouTube on his football <laughs> yeah. life oh, episode. Gosh. I'll leave it at that. Yeah, 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 probably. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's, He gets it was, more in detail into that. <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a good episode, too. So also, yeah. Cal, my receiver, Calvin Johnson, uh, who retired from Detroit, and, not, and we found out not, not very good terms, but – was uh, all pro uh, three times, um, I believe, and also, too, was a pro bowler five times. 
definitely made you know a great case for the you know the short career that he had. I think he's still like he still um I think leads uh, the Lions the franchise in uh, receiving yards. He also he 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 got really more into the fact that you know he had back issues in his second year in the league and. Also, too, the fact that he has, you know, medicinal, you know, stuff that's helped him, you know, natural stuff, you know, CB, you know, CBO mm-hmm. and those type of things, you know, he marketing those things, you know, working with doctors and trainers. So, you know, it was also about the mindset for him. So what you think of, you know, about Calvin Johnson? Yeah, like you say, it's a great career that, and it should have been longer. And unfortunately, you know, those Detroit Lions, just like us here in Chicago, didn't have feel very many winning teams but uh, like you mentioned what he's doing now is tremendous hopefully it helps the the next generation of athletes to really take care of themselves i know they know the risk of of playing football but you just have to be smarter and really take care of yourself know know what you're getting into before you choose this profession absolutely Fanica, left tackle five-time all pro should have gotten in i think was very if you saw that block in Super Bowl 40 with the Steelers played the Seahawks that had that led Willie Parker there for that uh, 75 yard touchdown that kind of like broke the game open. Yeah. He also opened up about his I forgot I forgot because I remember he mentioned this when he was at uh, LSU his battle with epilepsy. He was he was diagnosed at the age of 15. The fact that he was still able to have such a great Hall of Fame career and just as remarkable and should have gotten into I think and. He also made a case for his good buddy, Heinz Ward. We'll get to him in a minute, but what do you think about Al uh, uh, Fedeka's uh, resume and speech? Yeah, uh, he should have been in a long time ago. Humble beginnings, you, you know, just like, as I said before in our last segment, it's a circle of life. You go through ups and downs and obstacles. So what are you going to do to overcome it? And and that's what athletes uh, represent, not just in the game of football, but in the game of life. But he's just one of uh, many examples. That's why they, they're sitting up there in their special shrine today. Also, last but not least, Mr. Charles Woodson, uh, very emotional. He dedicated to his family, particularly his mom, Georgia. Also, too, um, he talked about his career. You know, he had all his teammates, you know, from his high school days and Fremont, just not, not too far from Kansas, about an hour and a half uh, mm-hmm. outside of Captain. Also, too, his, 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 um, his resume at Michigan, which he won the Heisman Trophy. And, of course, you know, with the Raiders and the Packers, you know, where he won the Super Bowl with the Packers. And, you know, just, just it was more about emotion for a Woodson speech, just a, a very deserving of a hall, first ballot Hall of Famer. Yeah, the only thing I had a problem with, and this is me being a Petty Bears fan, of course, uh, if you guys remember doing that 2010 NFC Championship game, uh, which the Packers won by seven, Jay Culler got hurt for the Bears. Of course, there was a story uh, at, by, uh, uh, then President Obama, even though he's not from Chicago, he made his home here in Chicago. Uh, he said that the Bears would have went to the Super Bowl he would uh, come visit them. Of course, if you watched uh, Charles yes. Woods' A Football Life and you saw the clip of the NFL films following the game against the Bears, he said uh, the president uh, wanted to go see the Bears if they made it to the Super Bowl. Now we're going to go see him after we win it. I was like, you son of a bitch. <laughs> I'll leave it at that. He, well, yeah, he actually, showed that, that. They actually showed that clip right before and there is intro. In the, 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 I probably would have thrown my remote at him. I know I'm damn sure I would have thrown my remote. <laughs> it was good I didn't see that part. But, okay. you know, he, uh, I remember him in college uh, at the University of Michigan. He mm-hmm. took a Heisman Trophy away for Peyton Manning. I know thanks to the voters, but uh, he was a heck of a college player, one of the best defensive uh, players uh, during that time. And, of course, he made his mark with Oakland, of course, winning the Super Bowl with the Packers. But uh, congratulations to him. I'm looking for him to see him full time now with Fox coming up yeah. this fall. 
Death will probably be the face of that network too. But now that uh, another Hall of Famer, Tony Gonzalez, has we uh, yeah. I don't want to say retired, but also stepped away from the uh, the broadcast. Yeah, it's gonna be oh. between him and uh, Strahan now. Right? Yeah. For <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That should be that should be interesting too. Those two going at it. Also, you want to get a shout out to Bill Nunn, like great Bill Nunn, who was a visionary. Who um, even Chris Morris has said, if you watch the ESPN broadcast of the uh, the the ceremony that he basically, you know, none basically shamed the uh, the Steelers into start recruiting more, you know, African American players from the HBCU. Mm-hmm. So, and of course, the rest is history. That you know, mm-hmm. a lot of those, a lot of those um, teams and those Steelers teams and Celtics, about a third of them were, you know, from historically black colleges. Yeah, including Hall of Fame Mel Blount, who helped change the game uh, in terms of defensive pass interference. Uh, he, he was, I think, he came from Grambling. Yes, he did. He did. You're right. Yeah. So. Yeah, he came from Grambling. Of course, we can name a whole list of players, uh, especially during that time, that came from HBCUs with Jerry Rice, Jackie Slater, Walter Payton, of course, here in Chicago. So, yeah, there's a uh, there's a, a historic uh, connection between the HBCUs and the NFL. Hopefully, it could be restored again. Aeneas Williams, too, another went to HBCU. So, yes. yeah, so a lot of great players from the hall that are in the Hall of Fame now came from HBCUs. Okay, real quick for next year's Hall of Fame. Want to see who the who's a first first time? Yes. Demarcus Ware, Steve Smith Sr., Andre Johnson, Robert Mathis, Anquan Bolden, Devin Hester, and Vince Wolfwook. Who do you think, if any of those guys I mentioned, are first ballot for next year's Hall of Fame? Devin Hester for sure, because I think he has the record of total kick returns all time. And plus, he's still the only man to re- return an opening kickoff for a touchdown in the Super Bowl. So I think he gets it. He'll get in, but he should get in first ballot. Maybe Steve Smith Sr., maybe him. It depends on who else is up, who hasn't uh, been elected, over, been passed over the last few years. But I'm saying Devin Hester for sure, maybe Steve Smith Sr. for the first timers. The problem with Steve Smith is that there's just a long jam of wide receivers that didn't have haven't gotten any, and also that's why I say maybe. You know, you're also with Andre Johnson, also to Anquan Bolden. Now Devin Hester is interesting because you know how the Hall of Fame feels about uh, special teams guys. Look at Ray Guy; he had to wait like 30 years before he was able mm-hmm. to get in. So that's going to be it. Hester shouldn't wait that long. Yeah, even doesn't get in this year, he shouldn't wait that long. Well, 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 well you can only hope. Also, too, I think, right. remember also, too, Zach Thomas, who should be in, who Jimmy Johnson was lobbying for to get in for next year. Yeah, he better get in next year. Hall of Fame committee, come on now. Um, yeah, it'll be interesting. Like I, said, I think you can probably make a case for some of these guys to be, you know, be first ballot, but I don't know. <laughs> it's just a yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know. I mean, like I said, like I said, I felt the same way about last year, this past year's class. I knew Manny and Woodson would get in, and I, the rest was just a shrug. Me, this this year's is just shrug. Like I don't know. Like I don't know who's gonna get in first ballot, but we'll see. We'll we'll see. You know, we don't have to worry about that till like later on in the football season. But should we yeah. just see who gets in? Yeah, it should be fun. You're listening to Second City Sports along with Lakina McGee. I am Sydney Brown. Lakina, let's stay with football, and we had to pay our respects to the late great college football head coach, Mr. Yes. Bobby Bound, who passed away uh, this past Sunday at the age of 91 due, due to pancreatic cancer. He's one of the uh, top winning uh, coaches in college football history. He has two national championships at Florida State, 1993 and 1999. 12 ACC titles from 1992 to 2000, 2002, 2003, and 2005. And two ACC Atlantic Division titles, 2005 and 2008. 
He is the recipient of the Bobby Dodd uh, Coach of the Year Award in 1980, the Walter Camp Coach of the Year Award in 91, and the Amos Alonzo Stack Award in 2011. He was inducted into the College Football Hall of Fame in 2006. Lakina, uh, I was thinking about this before we started recording today. Uh, he's one of the top winningest coaches of all time. But look at the players that have come through that program. Some of them made it in the NFL. Some of them uh, didn't. But I know Deion Sanders was the head coach now at Jackson State, I believe. Of yep. course, he was one of the famous players that played under him. He had a nice uh, tribute tweet over the weekend, uh, paying tribute to Bobby Bowden. Remember Peter, Peter Warwick, uh, Charlie Ward who at that time, not it wasn't too many black quarterbacks in the NFL. And I believe he won the Heisman during that year, but he mm-hmm. decided to play uh, basketball. And and countless other um, players that came through Florida State. Uh, Derek Brooks, as you mentioned, with Tampa Bay, he's now in the Hall of Fame. And there's countless others, too. But um, uh, uh, peace and love to the uh, to the Bowden family for the you know, doing this challenging time. But he's one of the... Uh, Bobby Bowden is one of the uh, premier faces in college football, and his legacy will go on forever. And you know, reading the t- t- you know, tweets from and, and Instagram posts from guys like not just the guys you mentioned, but also to guys like Danny Cannell, guys like Warwick Dunn, mm-hmm. and you know many many. Yes, others. Warwick Dunn. Yeah, he had many, a great career other, in Florida State. So. Yeah, many many others who, you know, they said that he didn't just you know coach these guys. He you know kind of like made him be better men because of course a lot of those guys came from single parent households so mm-hmm. <clears throat> so that you know so in that sense you know he helped them kind of mended mentored you know mentored them to who he was as a person and also to the social aspect of it um i remember um i saw a story on sunday when the news broke that he helped integrate a golf a golf course he brought a black in florida he brought a black friend to play golf with him and at the time those that course that particular course i'm sure all the courses in florida were segregated and he mm-hmm. he brought that you know he brought a, a friend of his who was, who was african-american with him to play golf with and no one said anything about it nobody said a word to him about it and not too long like maybe like a week later they integrated so you know, yeah. that just shows you how much of an impact he has, not just on the football field, but also off the field. And, you know, just, you know, some of the countless stories that was shared. I know I have a friend of mine, she, who, who covered college football for years, she shared a great story about, you know, faith. He, you know, he was a man of faith, you know, Coach Bowden was. And also, too, you saw what, you know, just a, just a, the great, you know, aspect of it. Yes, you said, like you said, said some of the, some of the players who coached, some of them ended up being Hall of Famers, like Derek Brooks, but some guys didn't. But you know what? A lot of them graduated. A lot of them became really good men. You know, you know, well educated, and and end up you know doing you know bigger and better things outside of football. Mm-hmm. So just a you know thoughts and prayers to him, and just a lost another great you know great legendary college football coach. Yeah, and what was Florida State before he got there? Do do they have any uh, previous history? I don't think so. No, not before he not, got there. Not a lot. I mean, it was an all girls. So he school. put that program on the map. Yeah, it was. I think to like the early, like like the late sixties, early seventies, was an all girl school. Florida State was. I don't even think that was the original name, but yeah, they really didn't have any history until he got there. So, you know, and, and seeing some of the rival schools give them give tribute. You know, Miami gave a nice little tribute. Yeah, I remember those Florida. games back in the late nineties, early two yeah. thousands. Those were classics. Uh, Florida State couldn't get a kicker to kick it. Yeah, I know. and I think there was like two or three games they lost on on the on the last kick. 
<laughs> those were entertaining. Yeah. Go, go look those up on YouTube, folks. Yeah, and it's just a, yeah, and and I think he and I don't want to say he ended up laughing, but he kind of made peace with it. Just it's just the fates just didn't had just wasn't mm-hmm. in the cards for those teams he coached. But look, he ended up having a great career. And look, ninety one, and like I said, it's been a, it's been a tough like last few years losing some great great mm-hmm. college football, legendary college football coaches. You know, in, in general, just want to give our special, uh, uh, a special, uh, our thoughts and prayers to his wife Ann and um, his sons, you know, Terry and Tom. I think Terry is over at Akron now. I believe he actually left the mm-hmm. team to be with his dad. You know, as it was, you know, he was in hospice care, so he was getting closer. He was going passing on, so just you know, I'm sure they're going. I'm sure over at Florida, they're going to be doing tributes for him all season long. So yeah. You know, just a just a great, and even 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 though Deion Sanders, you know, wrote a nice little tribute to him. So, mm-hmm. you know, just a just a great guy, and our thoughts and prayers go out to him and his family. Yes, if there's not a statue out there for him now. There will be one soon, and it should be up there ASAP. Yes. Let yeah. Last topic of the show for this episode, Lakina. Uh, the Olympics are over and done with in Tokyo, Japan. The uh, the USA men's and women's team. Both uh, brought home the gold as far as basketball is concerned. We'll start off with the men first. Uh, they defeated Australia in the semifinal round, and they got their revenge on France this past Friday to bring home the gold medal. The, the women's basketball team uh, defeated uh, Japan uh, by 15, 90 to 75 to catch up uh, the gold medal for the U.S. women's squad. We'll start with the men's first. I mean, it never should. It not. It should not have been that close. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it got a little too close to comfort there late, but, um, look, you know, Kevin Durant, I think kind of like was a one man wrecking crew for that, for them, if you will, mm-hmm. um, his third gold medal, you know, of course, you know, he actually leads, the, uh, the Olympics, you know, on the men's side and scoring and deservedly mm-hmm. so. And, you know, he was a big contributor from start to finish. I mean, I look, I, I told folks, I told you so not to worry if they were going to find a way to win. They were going to gut it out. And you did. It out. You did. <laughs> They were going to grind it out and they did just that. And look, and I mean, look, I, I don't want to, you know, happy that they won the gold, you know, this is their fifth straight goal for the U S but mm-hmm. I don't want to go on a whole tangent here. Cause we don't have the time, but I look, I love coach pop, but this is, this, this needs to be one and done for him in the Olympics. You saw yeah. how, you saw how they struggled, you know, trying to play his style of defense. That's why they brought Keldon Johnson on. To kind of because yeah. he was one of the few guys that actually can play that you know that's particular style. Look, you get, you've got guys. You got, look, Jay Wright's on that staff. Bring him on. You know, just wipe the slate clean, and who knows what what changes Grant Hill's going to make now that he's officially taken over. So, but you got three like, years for the next Olympics. Yeah, you only got three years, so you better see if you can get you know if you get Zion to play, maybe get Trey Young, and you know he was pretty much begging. Oh, John Morant, he was pretty, he, you know Trey Young was probably begging to be on the team. But, yeah. But I'm yeah. sure he's going to get a spot now in three years. Hopefully he doesn't get hurt. But yeah, Trey Young should be on the team if he wants to do it. Like you said, he wanted to do this go around. He didn't get his name didn't get called, but uh, he was, I'm sure he'll be one of the first things they'll get called. Yeah, you know, 12, you know, get, get like maybe like 12 to 20 guys that will actually make the commitment and mm-hmm. want to play on the team, you know, with you know, the world championships, you know, the FIBA world championships, also to the, the Olympics. So just, you got three, you only got three years, like you said, till, till Paris. So just, yeah, so I think there's going to be some definitely some changes made, no doubt, for the American men because it, it just, you know, look, I know that the world's caught up with us, but there needs to, the, the new the way this team was constructed, it just wasn't very good. 
Yeah, and as I said before, you just took the words right out of my mouth, Lakina, as far as uh, what the direction of USA basketball is going to be. Hopefully it will change. But as far as the players on the court, Kevin Durant was the best player for me. Uh, Bam Adebayo really showed out. Shout mm-hmm. out to our girl Alana Takauer of Five Reasons Sports Network. And Zach Levine, he really uh, showed out uh, during this tournament. And hopefully he can bring some of that what he learned off the court as well to the Bulls for next season. Yeah, I know, right? Finger, fingers crossed. Right? Also, to JaVel yeah. McGee. JaVel McGee, his mom, Pam, of course, won a gold medal for mm-hmm. the women in 84. So they're the first mother-son team to win gold medals um, in the Olympics. So, you know, shout out to, to, to him. You know, he got his gold medal as well. So not a, you know, not, not a bad showing. Now, as for the women, I mean, shout out to Diana Taurasi and Sue Bird. Now have five mm-hmm. five gold medals in their um, gold medal uh, win against Japan. For, you know, men and women, uh, men or women, that's the most for most gold medals in basketball for both men and women. So give them a shout out there. Didn't have any real problems. I know there were some issues of how the team was selected and such, but they were able to pull yeah. it out. They were able to pull it off, though. I wasn't too worried about the women either. Yeah, also shout out to head coach Dawn Staley. I know she coaches South Carolina, but I remember when she played uh, in 96 in Atlanta. Mm. I'm telling my age. Mm. <laughs> but I think is she, is she the first female player to win she one is. as a coach and as a player? One and one as assistant, too, right there a couple of times. Yeah. That's right. Yep. Yep. So congratulations to her as well. I know she doesn't get the uh, the prize that she deserves, but uh, congratulations she to should. her as well. I thought of her when they won. Yeah, she. Yeah, I remember she was at, she was playing at Virginia. I know I'm showing my age now, but you know, was close, <laughs> was close to little, was close to winning the championship a couple of times. Didn't get it. She had actually ended up winning one as a coach, of course, with South Carolina, and mm-hmm. and you know she's still doing great things over there. And too, she should be getting her props too. Absolutely. Yeah. Also, too, um, the U.S. You know the medal count. They you know won the medal count. Um, 113 uh, medals. 39 gold. You know, want to give a shout out to the uh, women's indoor volleyball team. The first time they've ever won a gold, which I know it's hard to believe. They've been close a few times, but, you know, shout out to them. Also, to um, the team cycling on the women's side, they won for the first time. Also, to the four by fours, you know, the men, the women swept the four by four, a 400 uh, relay. Alice Felix is now the most decorated, um, tr- you know, medalist in track, passing Carl Lewis now with her 11th medal. And, had they had a nice little dream team there with Sydney McLaughlin and Delita Maham and also to a thing Mo, like a fearsome force. Whoever thought of those four putting them to them together in the in the relay mm-hmm. should be should get a race because <laughs> that was very yeah. well done. Just dominated the four by four. And also to the men led by Michael Norman and Ryan Benjamin. Finally, finally won a gold for the men in the sprints. They had not won a gold medal <laughs> before then. So <laughs> is I think I believe they're they're third and like five of the last six they've won on the four by four on the men's side so nice show for the u.s in the olympics all right that puts a, a chapter in, in uh, closing a chapter of this episode of second city sports we promise you guys we love you we miss you we had to give you this episode one more time courtesy just a little, of just, yeah, we'll but, say, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but we are headed to sports zone chicago you can find us on facebook and youtube to watch our live shows we start this friday August 13th at 12 noon Central Standard Time. That's once again, that's this Friday, August 13th. We're live on YouTube and Facebook at Sports Zone Chicago this Friday at 12 noon. We go from 12 noon to 2 p.m. You can interact with us live. Yes. We're, we're going to be doing our show, shows live now, so you, you can inter- interact with us. We'll bring you on the best guests. And we're just going to do what we do, have a good time. 
We'll talk local sports, national sports, and everything else in between. The same stuff you've been listening to on here, we're just going to do it live, and bigger and better things are ahead of us. Sorry about that, that darn <laughs> stuff. Um, but yeah, I mean, look, it's basically the same thing. Look, we're gonna be, we're not gonna change much. The only difference is we're gonna be doing it live. We're doing it live, folks. So yes, make sure to check live us out. and in living color. Yes, no well, I don't know about I'll say living color, I guess. But <laughs> but yeah, right. But yeah, but yeah, but look, I mean, you know, starting on this Friday, August thirteenth, you know, make sure to check us out. You, you can comment too. So look, you know, it's gonna be right there on our Facebook page, also too on our Twitter page as well for Sports Zone Chicago. I'm mm-hmm. sure we're gonna be doing some crosstalk with um Sean and Maya or Sean or whoever he's guest co-hosting with when Maya isn't there. Yeah. But uh yeah, it's gonna be a lot of fun. It's gonna be a whole new chapter for us. Look, we wanna thank Kyle Means and the rest of the game for more media for giving us a platform to yes. do this, which but well, we couldn't do it in our other platforms. We now have another platform, and now we're getting another platform, a, a bigger, mm-hmm. broader platform. So Look, look, we're, we're, we're so, and you, you know what? the good news is you can hear the audio version of on war media on, on, um, yes. on anchor, Google, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast. So we're, we'll, yeah, so we're, Kyle means could get rid of us that easily. <laughs> no, no, not at all. So look, we're still, look, we're still gonna, you're still going to hear us too. You're just going to have to yeah. go to Sports Tell Chicago, Sports Tell Chicago, I should say, you know, the various, we'll, we'll tweet out our, the various you know, ways you can listen to us and watch us mm-hmm. too. So that way you won't be missing us off. <laughs> Yes. On that note, you can follow yours truly, Sydney Brown, on the Twitter and the IG at CK80. Once again, at CK80, that's S-I-D-K-I-D-A-0, S-I-D-K-I-D-A-0. Ooh, I'm all talked out. You can follow me at Kitty McGee on the Twitter <laughs> and at Kitty Oscar McGee on the IG. I'm serious. <laughs> <laughs> Make sure you follow our... Uh, Follow uh, Sports Zone Chicago, our new home, starting this Friday at noon, from noon to 2 p.m. As, as we do our live show. Make sure you follow Sports Zone Chicago on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all social media platforms. Just Google Sports Zone Chicago. Make sure you download the app as well. You can follow like Google Play, Apple, iTunes. Make sure you download that Sports Zone Chicago app. You can catch our live shows there as well. We start this Friday at noon, as we mentioned, from noon to 2 p.m. Central Standard Time. On Sports Zone Chicago, you uh, Google that uh, name on YouTube and Facebook. You watch our shows live. You can interact with us. And you will be following Sean and Maya in the morning. So we're on every Monday and every Friday from noon to 2 p.m. Chicago time. Once again, every Monday and Friday from noon to 2 p.m. Chicago time on Sports Zone Chicago. You watch our shows live via Sports Zone Chicago's Facebook and Sports Zone Chicago on YouTube. So we're going to start this Friday. August the 13th. So tell your friends and follow us on social media. So we're going to have some big things in store in the weeks, days and weeks ahead. So thank you guys for staying with us uh, uh, throughout this transition over the past year or so. We're going to go back to doing our thing live. We expect you guys to join us over there on Sports Zone Chicago. And for those of you that support all the other shows on Sports Zone Chicago as well, support us. You love us. We love you. Exactly. So thank you very much for your support. Like. Follow and subscribe to the YouTube channel on Sports Zone Chicago. So and tell your friends too. Thank God it. Okay. <laughs> you got the little hawk in your deck. Of course. <laughs> of course. Gotta do it. I gotta do it. You know, Forrest said I like Candace this second season sports zoom style. And when you see us on Friday live, come in. Yep. Till Friday. Go Sox. Holla. <laughs>